0: Visit LiveNation.com ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two-Door Cinema
1: Club. This is the Steelers Preview Show presented by Unibet on WDVE Pittsburgh. Here are your hosts, Mike Brazuda and Matt Williamson.
0: Good evening and welcome to the aforementioned special Tuesday night edition of Steelers Preview. Mike Pursuta along with Matt Williamson getting ready for the Steelers and the Cincinnati Bengals Sunday at the Jungle, Paul Brown Stadium. And uh, normally our program comes to you every Thursday night during a normal game week, but this is not a normal game week. Thanksgiving is Thursday and uh, we decided to be light on our feet, thoughtfully non-rhythmic, change things up and uh, bring you the show tonight. But we still have uh, the third member of our crew, Merrill Hodge, lined up and uh, we're ready to talk to Merrill as we uh, attack tonight's show. But, Matt, uh, news of the day, Uh, Mike Tomlin laying it on the line, laying it out uh, in very clear and precise terms that no one can misinterpret. A lot of times you hear coaches talk about big games as, well, it's just another game and they're all important. They all matter. Tomlin uh, talking today and uh, maintaining the Steelers are – Not going to play it cool, his words, not mine. Not going to downplay the significance of it, his words, not mine. Basically telling his team, as if they didn't know already, that uh, big, big, big game coming up. Not must win mathematically, but given where the Steelers are and how they've scuffled of late and how crowded the AFC is, you want to get anywhere you better win this one
1: without question and don't you love when coaches actually like tell the truth <laughs> you <know>? i do <laughs> it's, 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 it's so re- rare it's refreshing it really is and i mean there's no candy coating it as you said it's a huge game this division this conference is so bunched up it's hard to tell who's good who isn't teams like tennessee and buffalo are falling and you know it, it, cincinnati was very impressive this past week i mean they they might have put a a fork in in the Raiders for the play their playoff hopes, and you don't want to be next in line there. Uh, I'm impressed with this Bengals team. I mean, I, I think their roster, top to bottom, is probably the most talented in the division. Eh, maybe Cleveland. Um, they're playing well, but they're you know still young and learning how to win in this league too. But boy, their quarterback's impressive, and that, that's the cornerstone for everything that's going on with them.
0: Yeah, the, the weak spot's probably the offensive line mm-hmm. again, but it's way better than it usually is. Right, it's not terrible. It's gotten a little leaky lately, but mm-hmm. not terrible. And the uh, talent wide receiver, our buddy Tyler Boyd, remains a uh, threat out of the slot. Joe yep. Mixon pounds the rock. Yeah, uh, Jamar Chase has stopped scoring from distance as often as he did early in the year, but he had another touchdown in the Raiders game. Burrow looks like his old self. Uh, the defense has a nasty front it does, and uh, a couple of really good safeties.
1: Yeah, I, I, there's, there's always weaknesses with the Bengals, and there's fewer now. I mean, I think the interior O-line can be had. The tackles are pretty good. Jonah Williams is a really good player. And, but Burrow is so far advanced for his age, he makes up for a lot of the, the offensive line issues with his recognition, getting the ball out quick. You know, sacks are as much a, a quarterback stat as they are O-line. Um, I was talking earlier, the linebackers used to just be horrible there. And now they've got a good group of linebackers. You mentioned the safeties. You know, Bates is a great player that people don't realize. The defensive line is deep and physical and powerful. Uh, their defense put on a show against the Raiders. And then the running game you know, closed the game out. Raiders got one touchdown in that game, Matt,
0: and it was – a three-play 75-yard drive. They got da- Darren Waller open a couple times down mm-hmm. the middle, two big plays, and then they caught the Bengals. They, they schemed them uh, running a two-tight end, two-wide receiver, one
1: running back personnel group. I don't know what number that is. Maybe you can tell. Running it. backs are one. one. It goes running backs, then tight ends. So okay. that's 12 personnel. So 12 personnel.
0: <laughs> and, but what they did, they spread everybody out, yeah. and they had the two tight ends on the wings. So the Bengals quickly adjusted, and Bates was uh, playing traffic cop, mm-hmm. and they put the corners on the receivers who were in the slot, and they ended up with Logan Wilson against tight end, the linebacker against the tight end one on one out where the wide receivers yeah uh, normally run, and uh, that ended up being a 19 yard touchdown pass. Wilson's a pretty good player; had a couple picks against the Steelers. Yeah, in the first he's a game, real bright spot for that. But he's time. not an outside corner. No, that's asking a lot. And. Uh, that though was was basically
1: all all the Raiders did, Matt. They, uh, other than that, they were more or less shut out. I mean, like yeah. they, they didn't move the ball past midfield very often. They had very little success. It was Foster
0: Moreau who caught the pass. Mm-hmm. Waller
1: was on the other side, but they just sort of caught him with their uh, football
0: well, pass down. Schemed him a little
1: bit, yeah. You know, and that happens. Um, but uh, Carr was under duress almost the entire game. They didn't have much success running the football. And the Raiders' D hung in there for a while and slowed the mix-in in the run game. And Burrow was never asked to do a lot because the Bengals were in charge pretty much from start to finish. And then the second half, forget about it. I mean, it was just the mix and show and just really stomped on their throats. I mean, they're a physical football team now, the Bengals. Speaking of coaches being forthcoming, yeah. Uh, Zach Taylor, CBS was doing the game. And their
0: sideline guy was Evan Washburn. Mm-hmm. So, of course, he talks to both coaches. Yeah, 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 You know, one coming off the field at halftime, one coming onto the field. And he spoke to Zach Taylor, and it was a pretty close game at halftime. And the Bengals had run the ball 16 times for 55 yards. And Washburn asked Zach Taylor about the running game. And uh, Taylor not only told Washburn they were going to stay with it, he said, that dam is going to break, unquote. And boy, did it ever. Second half, the Bengals had 22 carries for a buck four and another rushing touchdown.
1: Yeah, Mixon just took over. And you can see his athleticism and power and agility. I mean,
0: nasty, uh, runs mean, physical, decisive. He can accelerate for a big,
1: powerfully built guy. Without question. He's extremely talented. And, you know. Burrow is a a great talent himself. Jamar Chase is a really physical, powerful mover as well. You know, Higgins and Boyd. Boyd brings an edge to him as well. Again, physicality under the new coat. I guess he's not new anymore. It's certainly been stressed. And on both sides of the ball, they don't get pushed around. Mike Tomlin had uh, some injury updates today as well as, uh, you know,
0: Making the confirming the obvious, I guess I should say these mm-hmm. next two games for the Steelers. So it almost feels to me we talked when we were doing these shows in September when they were one and three. I felt like they had to get back to three and three to have a fighting to chance to keep your head above water. To, yeah, to eventually do something. Now I feel like they got to win these next two. I feel like it is again, and boy, you go a long way. Not yeah. mathematically must have. I mean right, theoretically right. they could lose the next two and then win and five, out. Yeah, win right. five straight and get to ten wins and, and get in there, but. I think you got to. I think you got to. And I think the Baltimore game here, which follows the Bengal game there, is mm-hmm. going to be the easier of the two.
1: I agree. I haven't thought of it from that perspective, but I think the Ravens have a lot more holes than the Bengals do right now. Um, not that other
0: one's going to be easy,
1: but no, of course not. And you know Harbaugh always will present a challenge, and Lamar, of course. But you've seen those guys a lot. Um, I don't want to say we'll talk Ravens next week, but I don't want to say they're lucky. But, boy, they, they have had <laughs> some bounces go their way late in games. I don't know that they're as good as their record really are, where Cincinnati might be better than all of them.
0: Yeah, I'm, we will talk Ravens next week. Yeah. I, I just want to tell you, I mentioned this uh, on the DVE Morning Show, the Ravens this year look a lot like the Steelers last year to me. You know, the Steelers had that run, yeah. undefeated, undefeated. How'd they win that? Boy, they weren't very impressive, but they won again. Mm-hmm. I mean – and there's an art to that. Winning is the object of the right. exercise. I'm never going to criticize anybody for winning. But I, if you're going to sit here and, and make me guess whether or
1: not Baltimore's success is sustainable or not, I'm going to say it's not. I agree. I agree. And I will often defer to the Tomlins and Belichicks and Harbaugh's and Payton's that have won so many games in this league. They know how to win in this league. And I think the Browns and Bengals are figuring that out. But I also think the Bengals are a little ahead of the curve in doing that, too, because they have a foundation. They have talent. You know, there's a lot to build off there. And I keep going back to Joe Burrow. He's very impressive.
0: Yeah, we talked uh, prior to that first matchup uh, about how Cincinnati looked like a team that was going to be significantly better, but maybe the record wouldn't reflect it. While well, the record is reflecting yeah, they were it. Kind of wrong about that, yeah. And there have been some hiccups, but. Right. Uh, maybe this is the kind of team that uh, every win generates even more momentum. And mm-hmm. maybe now it's rolling downhill again. And boy, what might these guys be capable of? If they get a rowdy crowd in Cincinnati and they're able to knock off the Steelers and complete the sweep. And yeah. <laughs> it might really start rolling downhill for these guys then.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is kind of how we were talking about the Browns last year. I mean, can they get over the Steelers? Well, now the Bengals are the next one coming up, the little brother that you picked on for years and years. And you, you get, you know, Joe Burrow, a couple wins against this team. And, he doesn't look at them like they're the big bad Steelers. They're the team that I've been beating on, you know, since I've come in the league. You, you got to nip that in the bud without question. And Yeah, you need to, if you're the Steelers, you need to win this not just for your own standing's sake. You need to punch a hole in,
0: in the <laughs> yeah. Bengals balloon a little bit because they're going to be contending right along with you. Exactly. You don't want them getting on a roll and feeling all. No, I mean, big picture stuff, too. Right.
1: Absolutely. And boy, Burrow brings that to the table, though. I mean, I. I often say this about Zach Taylor. I don't know if he's a good coach or not, but he looked very much in over his head. And Burrow's leadership, toughness, I mean, he should be on every billboard in that city. I mean, well, he it's is, his team. He
0: is just on the right side of that cocky, arrogant oh, man. line. Is it, I mean, yes, he takes it right up, but he's likable.
1: Very and, much so. And, and watching pop. him play, he's, what a what a quarterback. Oh, yeah. And he'll, he'll He'll play through pain. He'll take hits. You know, he does all the little things. I was thinking about some of the stories they used to tell, you know, when he's in college where he's fighting guys over a tire and how he went to LSU and everyone just flocked to him and he has to be our guy. And boom, before you know it, a national championship. I mean, sitting
0: in that locker room smoking that big stove.
1: Exactly, right. I mean, he's a cool dude. Joe, <laughs> Joe
0: Cool. Uh, Mike Tomlin had some uh, information today other than, hey, we got a big game coming up. Uh, the injury picture, it's still pretty unclear because this is Tuesday and they mm-hmm. haven't started the practice yet. But according to Tomlin, you can call Eric Ebron and J.C. Our questionable. Both of those guys knocked out of the uh, near miss mm-hmm. on Sunday night in Los Angeles. Uh, but here's the big uh, news. According to Tomlin, quote, uh, guys that we have a level of anticipation from for return are Minka and TJ and Joe Hayden and Loudermilk. Great. Now, right. A... I can't believe he included Isaiah Loudermilk in there. <laughs> One
1: thing's not quite like the others, but that's fair. But it, but it's it, it's worthy. It makes sense. They need him. It does. I, I was on a, a video with with Bob Labriola the other day, and he he said it really well as he usually does. He's like, when it's a big deal and Isaiah Loudermilk's not in the equ- equation yet, this tells you what the defense is like at the point. Like they would have killed for Loudermilk in, on Sunday night, and I, I, I'm not cutting on the guy. I think he's going to have a really bright future. But those other three are so Louder. <laughs> right, right, it's right, not Deacon Jones. Right. You know? <laughs> it's not Joe Green. Yeah, yeah. exactly.
0: Uh, Mike Tomlin also kind of took himself to task a little bit today, Matt, and he has done that uh, several times this year. I think it's. Uh, I think there's motive behind it and mm-hmm. method behind it. But he talked about th- how they couldn't contain Justin Herbert. Now, that was driving me crazy. Uh, spent a lot of time on d- uh, DV mm-hmm. uh, on the morning show uh, yesterday and today. To me, when you have to replace so many key players, you can't put Trey Norwood back there and say, go be Minka Fitzpatrick. No, right. You can't put a corner out there and say, go be Joe Hayden. No. You can't put an edge guy out there and and say, go be TJ Watt. But you can say, contain the quarterback as you rush. Yeah. Don't give this guy who is going to be looking to exploit rush lanes, and we know this, and who has rushing skills and is very good, Don't open the door for him. Don't turn the light
1: on above the easy pass lane and say, here you go. And they did that repeatedly. They did. They didn't learn from the first one. And he's that big strides and running through massive holes. And none of those were planned plays by the Chargers. They're just opportunities that he's taken that the Aaron Rodgers of the world have done forever. And he's a much better athlete than that.
0: Looked to me like one of them, he got flushed. Mm -hmm. But number 50, Delonte Scott was in Devin Bush's gap instead of... uh, Contain position yeah. where he lined up at the start
1: of the play. But the other ones, he just dropped back. And, oh, you're going to give me that? I'll take I'll it. I'll take it, right. And uh, what's interesting to me is Herbert – And against
0: man-to-man coverage, often invariably, against man coverage, right.
1: where the DBs are running away. Eyes are on their man, not, yeah. the, not the quarterback. But Burrow will do the same thing. I mean, Herbert runs better than Burrow, but they're both in about their 25th start, give or take, same rookie class. They can move well. They're way above their years with recognition. And if you're gonna give me a gift like that, I'm gonna take it all day long. You know. Yeah, I think with Burrow slide, it'll be you know, Burrow will get four or five yards out of a play. Not twenty some. Yeah, yeah. Herbin Probably slides, pops up, first down, breaks your back. You know, right. Managing the game and the sticks and all that, staying ahead. Yeah, they're both way ahead of the of the curve there. Herbert's a more talented passer, but you know we, we've talked a lot about Burrow. I mean, his his traits are very, very impressive. And you're right; that was one thing that wasn't just a simply a lack of talent. I mean, much of the defensive problems were just their Jimmys and Joes weren't as good. You, you can know? play average ball the right way, right? And that and, doesn't happen. And people were talking about, well, why don't you spy him then? After a while. Like, they didn't have an extra defender to spy anybody. Well, plus who's going to do it? Who's going to do it? Right, exactly. Devin Bush isn't going to keep up with them. Schober's not going to keep up with them. Right, right. And, Um, you know, they needed every guy in coverage they could get. And they couldn't afford to blitz much because, you know, Minka on the back end. I mean, they were just so handcuffed in so many ways. And
0: Tom will kind of explain that today. He took himself to task for not changing the plan. But the only change I could – he said they'd have blitzed more if they had a little more faith in the back end. I'm sure. That that can take up a lane or two. But – uh, and it wasn't all just the replacements. I mean, Alex Highsmith got deeper than the quarterback mm-hmm. on two of those runs. Uh, you
1: can't run by the guy. No, you, right, right. You but Bud Dupree made that famous. It, fame it, it three took years. him three years to teach Bud Dupree that. Yeah. Uh, Highsmith. These tackles prof- will just let you run all the way upfield all day long. They're so smart.
0: T.J. Yeah. Watt admittedly got himself out of his gap in Green Bay, and Aaron Rodgers scrambled for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the plays on Sunday night was a stunt between Taco Charlton and Cam Hayward. And Hayward was flat instead of rounding it off, again, left the edge open. That's enough. The guy was gone. Yeah. So they gotta be better there no matter who they have back in the lineup. Uh, but boy, they certainly would like to get healthy on defense.
1: That's the understatement of the young season. On Tuesday night, it sounds rather promising though.
0: Yeah. You know, so
1: that's good. Uh
0: offensively, uh, what do you take from the comeback given that it took a block punt and a tip pick that uh, set you up twice right on the, you know, you, you could right. reach out and touch the goal line from where they got the ball. They only had 300 yards. It's not like they went up and down the field on these guys.
1: No, they, they didn't. And in a way, the Steelers kind of had to play left-handed. They couldn't just rely on Harris over and over and over in a close game. They had they had to get the game script, changed things from how them sure they wanted to play. Doesn't mean they couldn't have run the ball more. They could have certainly in the red zone and in tight and critical situations. But frankly, I thought that was maybe the best offensive game of the year. It wasn't the hardest opponent and you, you mentioned the yardage wasn't terrific. But I thought it was Ben's best year. I thought the ball came out of his hands. Yeah, I would agree the best. on that. And so yeah. that in itself to me is reason for optimism. I mean, you got defensive guys coming back and quarterback coming off his best game. That's a building block for sure.
0: You know the other thing that uh, was impressive to me. What really got him going was the block punt. Oh yeah. And similar to Buffalo, they dialed that up. They they, yeah, they right, changed right. from the first punt, which was negated by offsetting penalties. The second, when they lined up for the second punt, they had the same six guys in the front wall, same double vice. Uh, Marcus Allen playing kind of the linebacker safety position mm-hmm. behind the line, but they took Miles Killebrew on the first one. He was on the edge of the line. And on the second one, he was right over the long snapper. And just moving him a couple, three spots down the line yeah. inside, and he went right up the gut. I mean, kudos to Danny Smith. I don't know why you would think to do that in that situation, but it couldn't have worked any better.
1: Yeah, You're 100% right. And I'll, I'll just be honest. I know very little about special teams tactics, and I do not watch special teams tape. I mean, I watched it on TV like everyone else, and I didn't go back and watch it a couple times, but... Uh, those type of things are unbelievably important. And when you're around special teams coaches, you realize there are a lot of nuances that you'd never dawn on. And, and, you know, the, any little chink in the armor, uh, they're going to come after it over and over on special teams, especially punt.
0: Another thing that uh, Steeler Nation seems obsessed with, uh, Devin Bush. We've talked a lot about him this year. Uh-huh. Um a problem. Couldn't cover Austin Eckler, couldn't cover tight ends, couldn't get off blocks, No. but Mike Tomlin asked about him today and said, uh, yeah, he could be better, but we're glad he's playing as much as he is, given
1: his injury situation. Uh, they're still acknowledging that he's coming off a major surgery. See, I think that's good then. I mean, I guess that's one of what you want to hear as opposed to I mean, the play on the field is all we can evaluate, and we had a really good conversation last week with Merrill about him, and he cited things like he's not aligning properly. Yeah. You know, he's like that, I got a problem. Step with that. or two off. That's uh, a big deal for a linebacker. But then
0: like when on these Eckler plays, you know, he's behind the defensive line and Eckler's behind the offensive line and working his way through the trash. Mm-hmm. And it's not as if Bush isn't tracking him and it's not as if he's unaware of his assignment, but right the now. guy comes out and runs a quick out, gives you a little wiggle
1: and he's gone. Yeah. And you Eckler does up. that to a lot of linebackers to be fair, of course. But, you know, Merrill kept mentioning instincts. I'd feel better if it was a mental mistake. See, I'd be... Because you could teach that, at least. Right. I mean, Merrill kept mentioning instincts. And if it's an instinctual thing that he's never going to get, that's a problem. I, I thought it was positive if you're going to keep citing the knee, meaning, well, the knee should get better. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I'd love to blame it, an injury.
0: Question is when. Uh, yeah.
1: Speaking of Merrill, we'll get to him directly.
0: He's got a lot to talk about, I'm sure, as we continue counting it down to the Steelers and the Bengals Sunday from Paul Brown Stadium. With Matt Williamson, I'm Mike Persuda, and this is a special Tuesday night edition of Steelers Preview right here on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR.
1: Back to the Steelers Preview Show, presented by Unibet on DVE.
0: Welcome back to Steelers Preview right here on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR, a special Tuesday night edition Thanksgiving week. But uh, we have not changed the lineup. That's because our lineup is undefeated. Our lineup is the perfect lineup for any and all occasions. And we are joined now by the uh, third member of our crew, Merrill Hodge. Uh, Merrill, a weekly guest with us since the outset of the season. And Merrill, uh, I wanted to uh, start tonight with a bit of a philosophical question for you. Mike Tomlin today... Very upfront about the importance of this game coming up in Cincinnati. And I'll just uh, review a couple of the quotes for you. This is a big week for us. We're not going to play it cool and pretend like it's not or downplay it. This is significant AFC North football for us. And he went on to say, you don't back into the single elimination tournament. He mentioned the single elimination tournament twice in his opening remarks, which is, of course, a reference to the playoffs. And then he talked about the sugar on top of it being that the Bengals are, A, a division team, and, B, a team that beat the Steelers once already this season. Uh, what kind of effect does this type of, uh, hey, this is a really big game, we really need it, you know, public admission, everybody knows it, but I, I, I got to believe Mike Tomlin is speaking to his team when he says things such as that. What are the players hearing?
2: Yeah. Well, no, okay, whatever. You you just explain what Mike has already said in the public. Can you imagine being in that team meeting?
0: <laughs> I wish I could. I'm telling you, I, I, I would like to hear that, it.
2: That that you could you could double down and then times by ten. Um, let me tell you this: I guarantee every player knows and has they're crystal clear on the importance of this game and the significance of it, and, and rightfully so because it is. You know, and I, I would argue that you know, really Cincinnati when they play the way they're capable of playing, they're probably the best team um right now in in this conference in this division um you know Ravens may have the better record right now but they are you know they the way the way some of the wins have happened are not a you don't take those on the road they're not consistent you know a couple flukes you know the Detroit game i mean that may never happen again and, you know there's just a lot of things that they they won some games that um Mask. Here's what I'm giving this is the stat I always harp on is turnovers. Okay. Well, you can turnovers can make you look better than you are or worse than you are, depending on which end of the pendulum you're on with them. Uh, Cincinnati's pretty, um, pretty balanced in and have they have a lot of phases to their offense and their defense. So um, to go into Cincinnati now and win would be it would be pivotal. I mean it's going to be pivotal, you know, to keep their Divisional hopes alive because even though they're behind behind two by two games to the Ravens, you still play them twice. So technically, you control your destiny, you know. But you got to go. You got to start here, and you got to win. And uh, there's no room for air now.
1: And, Meryl, just a piggyback off of what Mike was talking about there. I, I thought. Three stars of the show Sunday night, and some of it's behind the scenes and leadership and building blocks for a, a decade-plus around here, were obviously Cam Hayward and Ben Roethlisberger, but also Mike Tomlin. I mean, he had no cards in his hand. I thought it was one of his finest coaching jobs, period, against the Chargers, and those three to show the, the stability of the organization.
2: Well, I you know what? I've always have been a fan of Mike Tomlin. I didn't play for him. I played for the other two greats. Um, I don't know how um, to truly compare him. You know, um, we don't sit in those meetings, which makes it Se- seems to
0: win about uh, as much as they did, uh, at least percentage wise. That that might be a good yeah. place to start.
2: <laughs> right. So I mean, but the standard he has kept the standard. So that's a fact. Uh, to your point, Mike and Tom. Um, you know, I I, I have uh, I know you guys know Carnell Lake. I mean, mean Lake came in about a year or two after I did. We we actually developed a really good friendship. We did a lot of charity stuff together for years so. He was on that staff and when I hear him talk about Mike Tomlin, you know, there's there's the intimacies of of his detail, his coaching, um his leadership and um Uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to disagree with you. You know, he's done it time and time again, you know, and when the cards are, he's not had a lot of, hasn't had a good hand. Let's put it that way. Um, And um, you're right. I mean, Sunday night, you know, those three guys showed up. Um, They're going to need a few more guys in this one. Um, You know, Cincinnati game last, I, I think most people will remember. This defense was decimated. You know, it had, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I remember watching on tape. I'm like, okay, who's 50? I was like, okay, who's 40? And there's so many players defensively they didn't have. And yeah, you know, the game was somewhat interesting um, from a defensive perspective. They made, I don't know, actually, offensive perspective. I think is where they finally started to get their their running game going, even though it hasn't been really consistent. They made a lot of flop, made a lot of mistakes early in the game, both sides of the ball, but they corrected them later in the game. You know. So I guess what I'm trying to say when you look at this game, you know, you, you can't have those mistakes early. You know, you got to correct those going into this thing and make sure that you are dialed in um, and you're meeting them toe to toe from the from the very beginning. In this one, you're just not going to be able to afford to get down by ten or seven to the to this team because it'll be too hard to to regain the lead. So. And and that's why I think Mike Tomlin's doing what he's doing. I mean, he's establishing it loud and clear. um, The line's been drawn. And uh, good leaders do that.
0: Merrill, I'm I'm tending to agree with you on the Bengals' roster relative to the rest of the division. Now, they've been up and down. Just about everybody in football has been up and down. Bengals, bad enough to lose to the Jets and get waxed by the Browns. But I watched uh, the Raiders game uh, from last Sunday this afternoon and uh, Raiders were one for seven on third down. Bengals had the ball for 37 minutes and 20 seconds. Bengals were by far the more physical team, and yet they were penalized once for five yards, and the Raiders were penalized seven times for 77 yards. When this Cincinnati team is firing, man, it's both sides of the ball. It's run and pass. And, oh, by the way, their kicker made three field goals of longer than 50 yards. (laughs)
2: Yeah. Well, I, I'll tell you this. Okay, they had those two hiccups. Um, and so, like, if you took all the evidence, there's more positive, you know, the that we need. Let me back up. When you get ready to play an opponent, you look at the last four games. Um, yeah, you'll look at all of the games. But I will tell you this. You, you'll pick out Baltimore. You'll pick out the Raiders. As the, as, that's who you're going to see. Um, because really from the beginning of the year, you know, they went for that, I think they went for it on fourth down twice against Minnesota opening day. And it just reminded me of, you know, they kind of, they kind of do line the stands for themselves of who they were going to be. And they got that second one, which ended up helping them win the game. And that kind of set the temple for their season. And then it kept getting, you know, better as the weeks went on and then they put the hammer down on the Ravens. Now this is part of being a good team and learning that you've you got to show up like that every week. I think the next two weeks, which is part because they're a pretty young team, I think that that's not shock what happened to them, you know. Um, yeah,
0: Jets and Browns after the Ravens,
2: yeah, and they got hammered, you know. And I think that you, because uh, um, I remember when we were a really young team. Yeah, you know, we. I remember should we beat Philly or somebody. We I can't remember who we thought. Who we thought? I remember Bubby and I sitting. In, so, on a Saturday night, you know, we're feeling pretty good about ourselves. and I mean, we really did. We were like, man, we got we – got, we we're going to get rolling here. And we got uh, handed to us the next – <laughs> Like, I mean, the next day, I'm like, oh, my gosh, okay. Maybe we're not that good. <laughs> so, when you're a young team, I think you can have a tendency to forget what it's going to take every week. And just because you had a really dominant performance, okay, they've been the intensity in practice and how we prepare has to match that every single week, if not uh, elevate it, in order to continue to be that good. So I I think you're seeing a learning curve in them. So that's why I just look at them, and I've I've studied them all year. They probably have the most phases and the most complete and can be the most dangerous.
1: You mentioned learning curve, and Joe Burrow, I mean – He's going to be a thorn in the Steelers' side for a very long time—a big thorn. How yeah. far, you know? He's way ahead of the curve, in my opinion. Are you in agreement there? No,
2: Tom Hughes. Probably he's by the one most accurate. You know, we talking about making decisions. Two, two of the most important things coming out of college to see if they have, and and you must have to translate to the to the National Football League is. Not being a good decision maker, but being a quick good decision maker. You know, there's a lot of guys who make a good decision, but they're they're shade late, they're a half second behind. And then accuracy is one thing. From the pocket, can you be accurate on all platforms and different scenarios? Uh, he he was all of that and more. Um, and it's just anticipation, has a great pocket awareness and feel. You know, then you start adding the things that you look for. Um, he might have been about as complete as I've seen. him. 22 years, you know, that would include, you know, people like Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, um, uh, all the guys like that, that, you know, end up being everything they were amounted up to be, Um, but he is, I mean, you're going to have to deal with him for at least another decade or so.
0: Meryl, I don't know if you got a chance to see that uh, Bengals-Raiders game or not, but Burrow, to me, looked more nimble, looked kind of like the old Joe Burrow, the pre-injury Joe Burrow. He didn't run a ton, but the first play of the game, he found a, a lane uh, against a pass rush and took off and got about four or five yards to make it you know second and manageable. Yeah. Uh, he's had to move around in the pocket a lot because their offensive line is springing some leaks. But uh, do you see this guy uh, as kind of all the way back now they mentioned on that broadcast uh the cbs broadcast of the raiders game that uh that game last sunday was played a year and a day after he suffered his injury i think he's more more over it now than he was back in september
2: yeah mike i agree with you i mean i I watched him early um on his first couple of games you could tell that there was a uh, an uncertainty there um but he didn't do much of preseason so you know, almost the first month was, you know, can I trust it? Can I work through it? And um, although I didn't see the Raider game, which I, I will this week, um, watching him all year though, like I have, you could constantly, you could see every week he got it, it was less and less of an issue, and he became more and more mobile. Um, in fact, gosh, I dang it! It was the uh, I can't remember what game it was. He took off and ran. I I thought he I thought he was gonna get busted in half. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, oh, it was when he, remember when he hurt his throat? Yes, that's that's actually that's kind of I can't remember who that was against, um, but that was the game that you could tell that he he had confidence. Um,
1: he, he he in
2: that game he was running and moving with it not being a big a big factor and yeah actually that run he got overconfident <laughs> <laughs> that's when you don't do it I don't care who you are even like, yeah, like Cam Newton may get away with that occasionally but you know not many not many quarterbacks get away with that type of run he pulled off but. I think that's history now for him. You know, you, you can't bank on that. He, that's going to be a that's going to be troublesome walking into this game.
1: Yeah, Merrill, when you watch that Raiders game, you'll realize, you know, Mixon really takes things over in the second half. Oh, uh, you know, boy,
0: did he. That was uh, really uh, impressive.
1: Really impressive. And, and I remember asking Merrill, earlier in the year when we played him, you know, you're a big Mixon believer. I mean, you're a big fan of his talent,
2: huh? Yeah. I was coming out of college, you know. I mean, yeah. off-field stuff, I mean, it's not – you know, that's 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 not part of what I um I have to consider as I evaluate, you know. I mean I know teams do and in those positions rightfully so. But as an evaluator of a of a runner, he was the best runner. By far. He was the best runner. He was he was extraordinary. Um, I can't remember even who I was coming out that year to be honest with you, but he was clearly he was clearly the best runner. And I can't did he get the, did he go in the second round for Cincinnati? He, did, he had
0: yeah. some off the field yeah. issues. To yeah. Uh, downgrade downgrading. Yeah, but,
1: but that was like McCaffrey yeah. and James Conner. It's a loaded running back class, Kamara. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah,
2: right? yeah. yeah he was he was um uh, as a runner. Um he may not be the receiver. So that was your McCaffrey and uh Fournette was the um, big one too. Um Shoot, there was a lot of people that year then. Shoot, then that would have been the yeah. same as, well, what's his name, out of Tennessee that's at the Saints. Um yep. Gosh darn it. Um you, you get it? Kamara.
0: You'll, you'll get a kick out of that yeah. uh, Raiders tape. There's a play in the second half where Mixon runs. He cuts inside the right tackle, and he's got a head of steam. It kind of pops for him. And Jamar Chase is trying to block a defensive back about eight yards downfield. And the DB just kind of pushes Chase a little bit as Mixon's arriving. And Mixon just plows into Jamar Chase like Jerome Bettis hitting Brian Urlacher. <laughs> like, I don't care if you're wearing the same color jersey. If you're in my way, I am knocking you down and continuing down the field. It was, uh... it was kind of funny, but it was kind of telling to me, like, this guy's not playing out here. He's
2: no. Yeah, he you know, he went through – you know, he had a spell where, you know, I mean, they weren't very good, and that's about all they had. And the offensive line wasn't very good. I mean, we've documented that many times. But that guy – um I mean, he has juice, that rare juice that um you don't see in many many players. Um he's dynamic laterally and vertically, runs with great balance and he's got terrific vision and a feel for stuff and you know, and they do the right thing if you know, they've they've built this thing uh, a running game around him. You know, their running game is fairly balanced. You know, they have some staples but they got a mix too. Um and they can do that because of him, because of his, his running style.
0: You know, Merrill, uh, maybe I've been doing these shows with you for too long, but the, the matchups that scare me in this game from a Steelers' perspective are the Steelers' D-line stopping their running game and yeah. wh- whether or not the Steelers' offensive line is going to be able to deal with Cincinnati's front.
2: That's ultimately where it all starts and ends at the end of the day. Um, and I would agree with you. You know, they uh, they had you know, the Steelers on skate last time in the first matchup. You know, they did. They uh they pushed him around. Um, you know, Chargers now, did a little remember. of that too on Sunday night. <laughs> Which I'm telling you, I like. You see, you, I, I I I I don't know this to be true. I only go by you know watch a tape. I don't keep these type of stats. I don't know if a team ran the ball less against the Chargers than the Steelers did. At 18 18 attempted runs, I don't know if those were all runs or Ben might have run. I can't remember. But that's nothing. I mean, and that, that you just ain't gonna win in this league consistently doing that. You know, and against the Chargers, I'm telling you, they. You well, know, I mean, the game is over and moved on, but it's not. That's that's a team that doesn't even like to play the run most of the time, and they've shown that, and people have just gashed them. And they had um, two
0: defensive starters out on
2: the D line, yeah, <sighs> yeah real which, which even you know. Um, you know, they they whipped them in the line, you know, shoot right off the bat, the first play of the game. I mean, you got people in the backfield missing blocks and you know, Cincinnati's gonna be no different. Um the um what I was getting to they you know, the last matchup, you know, Highsmith was out, Watt was out, you know, then those guys play the run great too. They get so much they get credit for rushing pass with a dynamic there, but they do not get enough credit for how they play the run. If your inside guys would play like your outside guys, yeah, your front seven would be deadly. You know, the, the the two inside guys just don't play the run like that. It's, uh, and it hurts them. You know, it hurts them in a lot of key situations. And this uh, this is where they're going to, I mean, you, know, you, you need all seven guys to play the run well. You just can't have guys missing fits and standing there, you know, and getting blocked and not getting off blocks to be a good run defense. And that's that's really what's kind of going on with their way too much of their defense right now, which is hurting them in the running game.
1: Where do you think the Steelers O-line is right now? Making making progress, kind of plateauing. You know,
2: watching, watching the San Diego game. I you know in the running game, it, it you know it's almost like they backed up a little bit.
1: You know they
2: they they kind of did what they did the first three weeks of the game week of the year. They just again some misassignment, miscommunication, guys not being blocked. Um, they're losing the battle at the line scrimmage a lot. You know they're not giving the runner a chance at the point of attack. Um, and that's just you're just not gonna be consistently good, you know and you're not gonna be dangerous uh when you're like that, you know, and teams that you know they've had problems with movement in the past, teams will occasionally do that, and that really gives them fits. Cincinnati will do that, they actually like doing that um, they did it in the first matchup, you know they're gonna make it easy on you when you when you see a offensive line that's young they they kind of miscommunicate, especially if you shift or you move. Well, the next opponent doesn't say, "Well, you know what, geez, these guys are struggling." Let's just stick it at four three. Let's not move <laughs> too much here. <laughs> it's just like, all right, boys, here's what yeah. we're doing: we're shifting, we're slanting, we're scraping. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna create all kinds of problems on these cats. They ha- it can't handle this, and that's the grow. I mean, that's unfortunately the learning curve for this off the line, you know. Um, but you know, I have seen them, you know, respond and. So And they need to respond. This is a this is week you've got to respond because you're going to need to run a game in this one. You know, you're, even, even though the game was close, you're not going to get a blocked punt and a deflected interception. You, those you can't hang your hat on. You like them. I know you strive for them, but they're just not going to happen. What you do trust, we can run the ball. We can control the atmosphere. We create matchups in the passing game. I mean, those things are what you have to trust those are the things that have to help you win games on a consistent basis. You're going to get some flukes occasionally. Um, you just can't bank on them. I mean, if that were the case, I mean, I never saw a game plan where they like, hey, listen, guys, we're going to get a block punt and we're going to get a deflected pass that's 14 points for us. Now we just got to match it up for another 14. <laughs> that's just going to happen. So, um, this will. I mean, this is Cincinnati, I mean, the Steelers have been the lead dog for how so long. You know, they're Everybody's trying, regardless of how they're playing. They're still the standard. They're the best in the division in the history. They're that's who you try to knock off, you know. And and they um, go back to what we started with with Mike Tomlin. I clearly understand why he's um, he's making it clear what needs to happen.
0: Merrill, we always bank on you bringing it, and you have done it again. Uh, thank you for that. Thanks for being uh, light on your feet uh, to use Mike Tomlinism with our. Uh, Rearranged schedule here. <laughs> Have a great Thanksgiving, and we'll look forward to talking to you next week before another AFC North Showdown.
2: You guys, too. Bless Thanksgiving to all of everybody. Take care, guys.
0: Merrill Hodge, uh, one more segment to go here on the preview. Matt and I will get to that directly with Matt Williamson. I'm Mike Persuda. You're listening to Steelers Preview right here on your Steelers flagship 102.5 DVE and SNR.
1: Back to the Steelers Preview Show, presented by Unibet. DVE.
0: Welcome back, Mike Pursuta and Matt Williamson. Uh, putting the finishing touches on our special Tuesday edition of Steelers Preview. Matt, before we get out of here, I got to revisit Mike Tomlin today one last time because I've been going to coaches' press conferences. Since Chuck Noll. And, yeah, right, right. You know, Chuck <laughs> was pretty straightforward to a to a degree. Mm-hmm.
1: I'm sure he didn't tell you a lot, though.
0: Bill Cowher a little more theatrical. Mike okay. Tomlin usually likes to say a great
1: deal without saying much of anything, but and it's always wonderful sounding coming kind of out of his yeah. mouth. But in the end, it's like, what do
0: you really tell us? He was just so forthcoming. Um, it's pro football. Yeah, I mean, they're getting paid. You're getting paid. You're supposed to be the same every week, but obviously we know that's not the case. No, it doesn't work that way. Does, does a pro football team really get inspired by that kind of thing? And do you see the Steelers getting inspired and maybe uh, building a little bit off of, of their, hey, we we had no cards, as you put it, with Merrill Hodge Nine. In, against the Chargers,
1: but yeah. still gave a pretty credible effort. Uh, can they win this one on intangibles? In a way, I, I mean, I'm sure that defense will be very embarrassed about what they put on tape. And everyone knows why. It's just we don't have the X's and O's. We don't have the Jimmy's and Joe's right now. You can X's and (laughs) O it up, but we just don't have the guys. But everyone in the world saw it on Sunday night, and I I think they'll be a lot more tied up and and tight on on the defense. And – I keep going back to, I keep thinking about Ben, you know, if if Ben's a little more comfortable in throwing the ball like he did in that game, so that's the X factor. That's the it? X factor. Right. I mean, that's much better than we've seen. And he's the guy that's done it and Burrow's the guy that wants
0: to do it. Of course. And the of Steelers course. are, I mean, a lot of changes on the Steelers, but at least regular season wise, they're the team that's done it.
1: The time Bengals are the team again. that wants to do it. Right. And I'm sure that fan base knows, of course that fan base knows it. If Steelers get a bounce or so all of a sudden that the stadium will deflate or I think you mentioned it earlier in the show could go the other way. You know, they start smelling blood. Look out, you know,
0: probably a fair amount of Steeler fans, though. There Uh, usually is there. Right. So so that that might uh, affect the game uh, a number of ways. Uh, Is this a game that the Steelers have to get off to a good start?
1: I think every game is for them. Because if they
0: just the way they're built, they're they're not, yeah, the plan isn't going to
1: work if they're chasing like they were. They need to hand it to Harris time and time again. And um, I'm not sure if you know this or not, but you'll you'll hear about it probably the rest of the week. The Bengals' opponents run the ball very little against them, like in a percentage basis. So they're kind of going to play into the Bengals' hands by running a lot, but I still think that's the way to success. Uh, do you have a problem with the play calling? I went back and looked at uh, the goal line series in
0: that first. The run, red zone stuff, I do. The first run to Harris on that second series, where they had first and goal and didn't score. Mm-hmm. He got hit twice before he got to the line of scrimmage. There was the jet yeah. sweep to Claypool for three yards, and then they tried Harris, and it was all he could do to get
1: back to the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. If
0: I'm calling plays and I see that, I'm not real confident about playing
1: power football. No, I and frankly, Green is a problem there in terms of dealing with you know defensive tackles and moving bodies and short yardage. He has not proven that he's capable. But jet sweeps and shovel passes to yeah. Friermuth aren't going to. I hated the second. Yet, right?
0: I hated the second jet sweep and I hated the shovel pass. So.
1: Yeah, my my big problem was if you knew you're going to go for it on fourth after second down occurred, third down should be a run.
0: Yeah, well, you know what I mean. Maybe they will uh, learn from that and get it in the end zone of Paul Brown Stadium. That's going to do it for us tonight. Thanks to uh, shirtless Tom, who's wearing uh, a, a very attractive hoodie. Uh, it's wintertime. He can put a shirt on and a hoodie. Thanks to we appreciate Matt. appreciate it. Thanks to Merrill for joining us, as he always does. And thank you for finding us, however and wherever you did. Till next week, for Matt Williamson, I'm Mike Pursuta. This has been Steelers Preview on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR. Good night, everyone.